Revelation Station Music Podcasts presents Peter Gabriel, Here Comes the Flood, an exploration of his missing years. Presented by Simon Heldrick. And just like that, Peter Gabriel left Genesis and the band were finished. Genesis released their epic album The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway in November 1974. The writing and recording process had been an unhappy one, especially for enigmatic frontman Peter Gabriel, who had felt extreme pressure from the band to complete the album. His insistence on writing all of the lyrics became a rod for his own back, pressure which was made worse when his wife Jill underwent a difficult birth of their first child during July 1974. Peter had already considered leaving the group earlier that year when William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist, took a liking to the surreal story featured on the back cover of Genesis Live and asked Peter to collaborate with him. Thankfully for fans, this offer came to nothing, and the album, as troubled as its, if you'll pardon the pun, Genesis was, became one of their most beloved releases. For the music press, Gabriel was Genesis, and the Lamb tour seemed to confirm this with a huge theatrical production which set Peter at centre stage. Fans and press alike would often bypass the rest of the band after performances to concentrate on Peter, which naturally fuelled the tensions that were already present. For his part, Peter had begun to feel constrained by the band's structure, and in November, after performing in Cleveland, he informed the band that he would be leaving at the end of the tour. The last date was at the Palais de Sports in Besançon, France, on May the 22nd, 1975. Peter played the last post on the oboe before the gig, walked away from the tour and the band, and just like that, Peter Gabriel left Genesis, and the band were finished. Of course, as time would show, Genesis were far from over. Indeed, they actually went on to greater and greater success, gathering accolades even as they lost members, until they reached a commercial peak in the late 80s with the release of Invisible Touch, which remains their biggest selling album. But this is not about Genesis. This is what happened to Peter in between leaving Genesis in 1975 and releasing his first solo album in 1977. It's a popular myth that Peter effectively retired at this time, that he spent two years sitting around doing nothing much. But actually, that couldn't be farther from the truth. As this programme aims to show, he actually produced a whole album's worth of material that was largely discarded. Peter's departure from Genesis was officially announced on August the 15th, 1975, when he hand-delivered the following statement to the UK press. I had a dream. Eyes dream. Then I had another dream, with the body and soul of a rock star. When it didn't feel good, I packed it in. Looking back for the musical and non-musical reasons, this is what I came up with. Out. Angels, out. An investigation. 
The vehicle we had built as a co-op to serve our songwriting became our master and had cooped us up inside the success we had wanted. It affected the attitudes and the spirit of the whole band. The music had not dried up and I still respect the other musicians, but our roles had set in hard. To get an idea through Genesis the Big meant shifting a lot more concrete than before. For any band, transferring the heart from idealistic enthusiasm to professionalism is a difficult operation. I believe the use of sound and visual images can be developed to do much more than we have done, but on a large scale it needs one clear and coherent direction, which our pseudo-democratic committee system could not provide. As an artist, I need to absorb a wide variety of experiences. It is difficult to respond to intuition and impulse within the long-term planning that the band needed. I felt I should look at, learn about, develop myself, my creative bits and pieces, and pick up on a lot of work going on outside music. Even the hidden delights of vegetable growing and community living are beginning to reveal their secrets. I could not expect the band to tie in their schedules with my bondage to cabbages. The increase in money and power if I'd stayed would have anchored me in the spotlights. It was important to me to give space to my family, which I wanted to hold together and to release the daddy in me. Although I have seen and learned a great deal in the last seven years, I found I had begun to look at things as a famous Gabriel, despite hiding my occupation whenever possible, hitching lifts, etc. I had begun to think in business terms. Very useful for an often bitten, once shy musician, but treating records and audiences as money was taking me away from them. When performing, there were less shivers up and down the spine. I believe the world has soon to go through a difficult period of changes. I'm excited by some of the areas coming through to the surface which seem to have been hidden away in people's minds. I want to explore and be prepared to be open and flexible enough to respond, not tied into the old hierarchy. Much of my psyche's ambition as Gabriel archetypal rock star have been fulfilled. A lot of the ego gratification and the need to attract young ladies, perhaps the result of frequent rejection as Gabriel acne struck public schoolboy. However, I can still get off playing the star game once in a while. My future within music, if it exists, will be in as many situations as possible. It's good to see a growing number of artists breaking down the pigeonholes. This is the difference between the profitable, compartmentalised battery chicken and the free range. Why did the chicken cross the road anyway? There's no animosity between myself and the band or management. The decision had been made some time ago and we have talked about our new direction. The reason why my leaving was not announced earlier was because I had been asked to delay until they had found a replacement to plug up the hole. It is not impossible that some of them might work with me on other projects. The following guesswork has little in common with the truth. Gabriel left Genesis 1. To work in theatre. 2. To make more money as a solo artist. 3. To do a Bowie. 4. To do a ferry. 5. To do a furry bow around my neck and hang myself with it. 6. To go see an institution. 7. To go senile in the sticks. Genesis, of course, responded that they would continue without him and were looking for a new vocalist. At this point, a Peter Gabriel solo career seems uncertain. His statement itself casts that doubt. But in fact, Peter had already been thinking about a solo career even before the lamb had been completed.
In May 1974, during a break from the lamb sessions, Peter gets a small band together and heads over to Aunt Philip's parents' house in Woking. While there, they record several demos for songs which won't ultimately be used. As well as roping in Ant for piano, Peter trusts the drum stall to bandmate Phil Collins with guitar provided by Martin Hall. This would be a good time to say a quick word about Martin Hall. He's an elusive figure from this period. He's credited as co-writer on Excuse Me from Peter's first solo album, but very little else is known about him. According to some sources, the pair wrote 20 songs between 1974 and 1977, and there was some speculation that Martin Hall was just a pseudonym for Peter himself. In reality, Martin was a poet from Willenhall in Staffordshire, who had already published a collection called Stan Cullis's Blues, which was released by Charisma Books, with illustrations by Paul Whitehead. He'd also co-written songs before, most notably with John Ford, who was the first Wolverhampton man to appear on top of the pops. Hall's witty verse appealed to Peter, and they became good friends. The May 74 sessions produced three tracks, the first of which was a Stones pastiche, You Get What You Want When You Rip It Off, which sounds almost identical, you can't always get what you want, perhaps intentionally. I know 
Then there was Firebirds, which is a slow piano-led track which also features Peter's flute playing. It's a track which would seem out of place on either a Genesis album, where it perhaps would have become a Firth of Fifth style epic, or on Peter's solo records. And the third track was a little number called You Never Know, which would be the only one to be recorded, albeit not by Peter himself. You never know. 
never know when the basketball's on for one and one for all. One to fly and one to fall. It's wonderful. Things on wings and wonder wise. The melon sings, the butterflies don't wanna fall. Pop an illusion. I better get. But I'm not. I better let the lily put the lullaby. You never know what the picture shows. You never know how the dominoes. You never know if the lollipops. Fly and want to fall. It's wonderful. Sings on wings and wonder why the melon sings, the butterflies don't wanna fall. Pop an illusion. I better let the butterfly, better let the lily bud, the lullaby. forward to July 1975, just two months after leaving Genesis, and Peter returns to the studio. His band is filled with prog rock superstars of the 1970s. There's Robert Fripp on guitar, renowned jazz and prog pianist Keith Tippett on piano, Phil Collins on drums, Percy Jones of Brand X on bass, and Sandy Denny of Fairport Convention on backing vocals. With such a powerhouse backing band, you'd expect Peter to record an epic, or at least to be producing something for an equally exceptional artist like Lou Reed or David Bowie. Hello, my darlings. I shall now sing you my first golden disc. No chance. You never know. You never know. Basketball. Five for one and one for all. 
birds on wings are wonderwise. The melon sings and butterflies don't want to fall in. Better get the butter knife. Better let the lily pot, the lullaby. By golly, they know to sell a few fowls. You never know. You never know. he elected to record British comedian Charlie Drake, who at the time was best known for his character The Worker on the sitcom of the same name. Perhaps not the most obvious choice for Peter to work with, especially with that backing band, but despite the talent involved, and to be fair, the quality of the song, which is actually a fun little number, the single did nothing at all and any follow-up ideas were quietly dropped. Around this point, Peter and Martin Hall stopped writing together. By all accounts, there was no animosity, but it's hardly surprising that the partnership went nowhere. With both men being lyricists, there was bound to be some redundancy on the partnership. Only one Martin Hall co-write would make it to album. Excuse me, on Peter's debut. On November 18, 1975, Peter attends a Bruce Springsteen gig at the Hammersmith Odeon in London. At some point in 1975, he also sees the Sex Pistols, and his approach to music is notably different after this time. Ah, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. He assembles another band, once again with Phil and Ant, this time with Mike Rutherford on bass, and John Goodsell, also brand X, on guitar. 
they composed some songs and head to Trident Studios to record them in the summer of 1976. Early versions of Slow Burn, Flotsam and Jetsam, and Here Comes the Flood would emerge. proto version of Excuse Me.
Excuse me, please. You're standing on my memories, stealing souvenirs again. I wanna be alone. However, there would be a further five tracks that ended up on the discard pile. One of these songs, Mr. Tattoo, is lost to the midst of time. However, the other four still exist. There's Howling at the Moon. Bye. 
an oddly Randy Newman-esque piano piece, this funny man. Oh 
Those lyrics about a fading entertainer could well be about Peter himself and his fears of fading into obscurity. Another song, No More Mickey, was about friend and Genesis roadie Richard McPhail and was offered to Charisma as a single, but ultimately rejected. Oh, 
track is perhaps closest to the sound that Peter would adopt on his solo albums, albeit in a much more basic form. Another track, God Knows, is perhaps the closest to a Genesis track that Peter would demo.
Then there was Get the Guns, a track which would eventually be absorbed into Down the Dolce Vita from Peter's first actual solo album. Sadly, those sessions went no further, and Peter began the well-documented process of making his album with Bob Ezrin in Toronto. However, before that was released in 1977, the public got to hear Peter sing for the first time on record in 1976, with his cover of Strawberry Fields Forever from the soundtrack to All This and World War II, a film which married Beatles covers to news footage of the Second World War. Let me take you down Cause I'm going to Strawberry fields Nothing is real And nothing to get hung about Strawberry fields forever Living is easy with eyes closed Misunderstanding all you see It's getting hard to be someone But it all works out It does 
doesn't matter much to me Let me take you down Cause I'm going to Strawberry fields Nothing is real And nothing to get hung about Strawberry fields forever Always know sometimes think it's me But you know I know and it's a dream I think I know what the are Yes, but it's all wrong That is, I think I disagree Let me take you down Cause I'm going to Strawberry fields Nothing is real Nothing to get hung about Strawberry fields forever Strawberry fields forever Strawberry fields forever All in all, Peter had demoed 14 tracks during the period he was supposedly doing nothing stuck in the mud more than would appear on his actual album, and almost all of them eventually unused. He was hardly resting on his laurels, despite popular myth. I hope you found this little history lesson informative. Thanks to Daryl Eastley for his excellent book Without Frontiers, from which I gleaned a lot of information. I recommend getting a copy of that if you want a much more in-depth look at this time in Peter's life, as well as being a great biography. There was one more release to mention before I go, that's the track Get the Guns that Peter demoed, which was actually recorded in 1977 and released as a single by Alan Ross, who was a noted session musician and also contributed to the film soundtrack of The Who's Tommy. Sadly, like Charlie Drake before him, Alan Ross would find that only Peter can have chart success with Peter's songs.
This programme was written and presented by Simon Heldreth. All music is copyright respective artists. You can contact the show at revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to the running of the podcast, you can head to buymeacoffee.com and search for the Revelation Station to contribute the price of a coffee. This has been a Revelation Station production.